Hi, we're here from Curiosity.com to help you get smarter in just a few minutes. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about the world's first vending machine that was invented nearly 2,000 years ago and why you probably don't realize it when your beliefs change. We'll also answer a listener question about why scratching an itch can make it spread. Let's spread some curiosity. The world's first vending machine is 2,000 years old. Care to guess what it dispensed? M&M's. So I don't think M&M's were around at the time. Well, like an early predecessor. Like holy water? Oh, like, is that what you call energy drinks? Spiritual energy. (laughs) Actually, I really can't confirm the caffeine content in holy water 2,000 years ago, but I can tell you that ancient churches were pretty happy with this invention. The point of origin of the vending machine I'm talking about is Egypt during the first century CE. Egypt was controlled by Rome at that time, and this vending machine was designed by the Roman Heron of Alexandria. Heron invented a bunch of things back in the day, but this object I'm talking about is something that looked like any old pitcher at first glance. But this pitcher could dispense a set amount of holy water whenever a coin was dropped in the slot at the top. This strange device solved a major problem that the churches of his town were struggling with. See, before you could enter certain temples in Egypt at the time, you had to cleanse yourself with sanctified water. But it was too much trouble to the priests to have to hand out the water at the door, blessing each handful as they did. And when the priests just left a large pool of pre-blessed water for worshippers to use, they inevitably helped themselves to far more water than they needed. Just like Halloween candy. Just like Halloween candy. The vending machine changed all of that. The priests could just bless the water in the vending machine, then leave it at the door to mete out a reasonable amount and do a little fundraising to boot. When a heavy enough coin was dropped in the slot at the top, it would pull out a stopper and let the water flow freely until a counterweight sealed it closed again. The next major advance in vending machine technology came about 1,800 years later, when the invention of instant coffee made coffee dispensers a reality. But as for the mechanics of the machine itself, they were pretty much the same thing as Heron's device. Maybe it's not surprising that his design would survive the millennia. He was a renaissance man who predated the renaissance. Luckily for modern snack companies, he wasn't too protective of his intellectual property. We got a listener question from Julian who asks, is there any biological reason for why once you scratch an itch on your back, it spreads to other parts? I know once I ask my girlfriend to scratch my back, I immediately ask her to go higher or lower after the initial itch. Great question, Julian. Yes, there is a biological reason for this, and scientists actually know the answer. So for a long time, we thought that itching was just a mild form of pain. While we now know that pain and itch each have their own sets of pathways and chemical signals, pain is still the number one way to cure an itch. I mean, scratching, slapping, even intense heat or cold can make an itch go away. And in a study published in the journal Neuron in 2014, scientists dug deeper into why. When you scratch, it sends pain signals to the brain, which scientists think interfere with those original itch signals to calm your itch. But it also does something else. It makes your brain respond to those pain signals by producing the neurotransmitter serotonin to control the pain. The problem with that is that serotonin also activates nerve cells in the spinal cord that are responsible for relaying itch signals from your brain to your skin. So what happens? Those itch-specific nerve cells get all excited and start sending more itch signals to your brain, which tells your mouth to tell the person scratching your back, oh, higher, no, lower, a little to the left. 
That might sound like a malfunction of your nervous system, but it's not all bad news. Identifying the interaction between serotonin and those nerve cells has the potential to help scientists develop drugs that can calm itchiness in people with chronic skin conditions. Thanks for your question, Julian. If you have a question, send it in to podcast at curiosity.com. Today's episode is sponsored by Arm & Hammer and their new cloud control cat litter. You're loving this, aren't you, Ashley? Yes, I am. I love talking about my cat. Do you know what an aglet is, Cody? Because that's my cat's name. I think you knew that. What is an aglet? It's the plastic thing on the end of your shoelace. That's what you named your cat after? <laughs> it's an interesting word, and I thought it was a good name for her. I mean, I would have gone with Loki. Okay. You think she looks like a Loki? Kind of, because she's a calico kitty, right? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure my friend Blake has a cat named Loki. That's calico? a calico. Interesting. Not sure. But I don't think that he has cloud control cat litter, which I think he should probably get. Right, because regular cat litter can kick up all these dust storms into your face when you're trying to clean the litter box, which is already a chore that is no fun to do. So that's why Arm & Hammer created new cloud control litter. There's no cloud of nasties when I scoop. It's 100% dust-free, free of heavy perfumes, and helps reduce airborne dander from scooping. So what happens in the litter box stays in the litter box. Right. If you're a cat owner, then you definitely want to check this out. New Cloud Control Cat Litter by Arm & Hammer. More power to you. We all may believe we're rational thinkers with open minds, ready to be swayed by convincing evidence. But in reality, research suggests that when your beliefs change, you probably don't even realize it. Because your brain fights attempts to be open-minded, and your brain hates being wrong so much that it actually adjusts your memories to make you right in retrospect. This is some science that might make you reevaluate your mind's shortcomings and be careful about being persuaded in the future. A study from researchers at Grand Valley State University were looking to find whether people were even aware that a persuasive article had changed their minds. They recruited more than 200 undergraduate volunteers and asked them to share their beliefs about whether spanking children was an effective form of discipline. The researchers picked this topic because previous research had shown that people are more likely to change their mind when it's about something they don't know a lot about and they don't feel very strongly about. I mean, it's likely a lot of these undergraduate college students didn't have kids, thus probably not very strong feelings. The students first filled out a pre-screening survey that rated their beliefs. Then two months later, after enough time had passed to forget the survey, the students were given articles to read that presented arguments either in favor of or against the effectiveness of spanking. After they answered questions about the article's content, they again rated their beliefs and were also asked to recall their beliefs from the beginning of the study. As could be expected for an issue they didn't know a lot about, reading articles for or against spanking was enough to change the students' minds. But when they were asked to recall what they believed at the beginning of the study, the students remembered their previous beliefs aligning more closely with their new beliefs than they actually did. The researchers blame poor metacognitive awareness and propose that people do not monitor changes in beliefs, but rather use the information they have on hand in the moment to reconstruct their previous beliefs. Of course, this study only looked at an issue that the students didn't feel strongly about and didn't have much knowledge in. It's probable that people will be less affected when they believe something more strongly or when they're experts on a certain issue. Confirming those ideas will take more research, but in the meantime, be aware of your mind's shortcomings. 
you might be more easily persuaded than you think. Before we wrap up, we want to give a special shout out to Mohammed Shafaz and Dr. Mary Yancey, who are executive producers for today's episode, thanks to their generous support on Patreon. Thank you so much. If you're listening and you want to support Curiosity Daily, then visit patreon.com slash curiosity.com, all spelled out. Join us again tomorrow for the award-winning Curiosity Daily and learn something new in just a few minutes. I'm Ashley Hamer. And I'm Cody Goff. Stay curious. On the Westwood One Podcast Network.